Welcome to DNA of a Dangerous Church. Get ready for powerful and practical insight on how to let the supernatural power of God loose in your life. Join your host and anointed guests for a crash course of equipping to release God's mighty authority, healing, prophecy, leadership, spiritual warfare, and evangelism. And now, your host, international speaker, author, revivalist, and prophetic voice, Pastor Ren Shuffman. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the DNA of a Dangerous Church. I'm so excited to have you here for this amazing podcast. We are going to be blessed, equipped, and released into more of God's mighty authority today. I want to get started with our guest and introduce her. Uh, many of you will already know her. This is Jesse Green. Jesse, how are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? I'm so excited to be on here with everyone. I am super excited for you to be on here. And you don't even know the full reason why, but we are going to get into <laughs> it. Uh, uh, Jesse and I travel in a similar super, uh, group of friends. We have a lot of the same friends, but we've, we're have we new friends. We're just getting introduced today. But I'm excited to have her on here because she is a fulfillment of not one, but two prophetic words that I have had uh, that I've released nationally. And so I feel, I'm like, ah, it's true. It happened. <laughs> Jesus is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So something like that, you know. Uh, you know, it's good when you start getting the high pitched voice and you start acting. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, yeah, Jesus is cool and stuff. Uh, right. <laughs> so, you know, it's good. But okay, Jesse, for those that don't know you, uh, you started something in the middle of COVID. And we have kind of similar stories. In March, when everything shut down, I started an online broadcast, but you started something in person. Tell the people a little bit about that. Yeah, actually, um, briefly, the story begins actually in 2016. And I, I like to just emphasize that because so many people sometimes think that what God did and what we did was a reaction um, to COVID, a reaction to the government shutdowns. But actually, um, we were stepping out in obedience since 2016 on this word. And we, in 2016, saw a vision of thousands of people being baptized in Huntington Beach, California. We moved our family from New York to California um, in 2016 based on that vision, started doing street evangelism. 2019, we're praying and fasting, and the Lord says, 2020, green light, the harvest begins, summer 2020. And basically, he told us to prepare the nets. And so throughout 2019 to 2020, we were casting vision to the churches in Orange County saying, harvest is coming. We're going to go to Huntington Beach and do evangelism. We thought we were doing evangelism at the U.S. Open of Surfing. But then when COVID happened, that was postponed. All of our plans we thought were going to be canceled. Um, the venue where we were going to do this evangelism conference was shut down. And the Lord said that I am not a liar. He said the harvest begins summer 2020. Go out to the beach and preach the gospel. And we thought that there would be like 20 people there. <laughs> and I just knew that we had to obey the word of the Lord. And ultimately, 
Thousands of people ended up coming to the beach over six weeks. We baptized over 2,000 people. Wow. We saw healings, miracles. Um, it was international news. And honestly, it's only by obeying the word of the Lord that we could see fruit like that. And we're still seeing fruit like that to this day. Yeah. So it started then. Now, now what was, what, what do you remember the date of the first one? The first one was July 3rd. So we're okay, actually coming up on that one year anniversary. Yeah, that's about to happen. Uh, so one year anniversary of that. And then, of course, a lot of people know that Sean Foyt came down and did let us worship on the beach there in California after seeing what you were doing. And he's taken that nationally. And so we're not just seeing one fire. We're seeing fire spread all over. And we're seeing this prophetic word that's been floating around the church. You know, uh, many of us have had it, not just I, that the third great awakening is coming. And and uh, I think if anybody is watching what's happening right now uh, to prophesy it's coming, would be an error. It's here right now. We're in the middle of it. So some of you guys need to just learn how to catch the wave that is already coming right now. You just got to surf this revival wave. It's there, uh, you know, since it started in California, just throw in a little bit of that. So, all right. So you have this happen in July. Now, see, so let, let me back up a little bit. You guys that have been following me for a while, you know, the word that I released in March at Jesse West Church in Santa Cruz, California. I was sitting with Jesse West on the beach in California on March. Uh, I think it was the 11th. We were sitting out there and then I released it at a conference on the 15th that I said that there was going to be revival and it was going to start right there in California on the beaches. I was sitting in the beach on California and wow. I posted that. Yeah. Sitting with Jesse West, who you ended up going to as part of that movement. And then later that morning over coffee, I shared that same vision with Chris Kildozier, who you partnered with on those two things. I had Chris Kildozier here. Yes. We, chat, we chatted all about this and he was like, bro, I was there when you released that word. And so <laughs> I my, love it. my heart is so full that, you know, to see it actually come to pass, not just have this. A lot of times I think we, we have prophetic words and we, we hope that they're fitting. We hope that, you know, is that this, is that that moment of, of what God is doing, but to see it so clearly uh, and to know it allows people to step into the fullness. So I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on the Lord that the Lord is truly bringing the third great awakening. And that's what he's doing right now. Now in January, I want, I want to say specifically to you, because, you know, we knew who Sean Foyt was. Sean Foyt's going around doing let us worship. You know, he's at Bethel, but you were one of those that was unknown, that was hidden. And if you guys have been following me, you remember the word that I gave in January, where I said this next great revival was not going to happen from the 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 former generals the generals that were known this was going to happen from the hidden ones uh, mm. that god was raising up the hidden ones to to raise a different standard a hunger and thirst at a new level and they were going to pour out this third great awakening so i believe fully that we're sitting here right now with one of those ones that god has raised up uh one of the hidden ones and that the power of god is going to move so we, we had the beach revivals. Now it was, it was all perfect, right? As soon as you started doing beach revivals, like nothing went wrong. Everyone just let you do it. It was just 2000 people got baptized. It was all glory <laughs> and rainbows and sunshine, right? Nothing went wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, actually it's so funny. Cause I, I didn't know about that hidden ones word, but I will say this actually, cause I feel like it's just a confirmation of that. And I love how God confirms the word of the prophets, like you're even just saying with so many things. But actually in 2016, 
um, my husband and I were a part of a pretty large church movement in New York City. And part of the word was he asked us to start churches in our house. And we were um, traveling and preaching a lot at the time. And we had gotten prophetic words from um, Chris Vallotton and Havila and all these people that we would preach to the nations. We would see millions of people saved. Um, Reinhard Bonnke prayed for me to receive a double portion of his anointing. And then the Lord told us to go into our house and just disciple people and not take any preaching engagements for two years. Wow. And there was a season where I felt like I was basically laying down every prophetic word over our lives. And um, we had friends in ministry that were basically saying that we were committing ministry suicide um, to go off the grid. And the Lord said exactly what you said. He said, I'm Psalm 91. He said, I'm just bringing you into hiding so that I can release you to do the ultimate thing that I want you to do. And so just like you're saying, there was a moment where we actually had to go into hiding so that in secret, God could do deep work in us to prepare us for what was ahead. And so there was a major identity thing that the Lord did in us over those four years in hiding. And I believe that um, we were able to just really hear from God deeply in that season. And so, yeah, when we started doing the beach revivals, so funny story, we actually had Sean Foy. Um, he was invited to do worship at our conference, our evangelism conference. And so when we moved things to the beach, we we said to him, we said, hey, would you still be willing to come out and do worship out on the beach, even though there won't be a stage? And so actually that was the birth of Let Us Worship, which is amazing how on the beaches, so many movements are being birthed. And I think even more so, but yeah, we had police at our house. We had, um, I mean, death threats on our door, notes, our house flooded, our car died. We were borrowing cars, living in hotels, um, beach citations. I mean, there were road signs down the street saying, saturate is canceled, but yet more people would come out because they would see the signs and then look up what's saturated. <laughs> That's amazing. So what the enemy meant for evil, God used for good. Let, let me dig yeah. into this for a minute because I think there's some there's some equipping in that and there's some impartation for people there because you know it worked out and you tell that story, you faced all these obstacles, but really you're, you're not in hiding anymore. People know who you are. Uh, you know, every, every time I turn around, one of my friends is like, Oh, I love Jesse. I love Jesse. <laughs> talking to Joe Moody about you the other day. You know, yes. Oh, I love Joe. <laughs> next week, you know, to quit, I'm going out to Jesse's to equip her in the salt church. So she was so excited to come. Uh, and, uh, really, but it, this unknown, or the, excuse me, this exposed season that you're in right now really came out of this willingness to disappear. Yeah. So you, 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 you're willing to obey the Lord. And I think everyone caught that message. She obeyed the Lord and she was willing to just disappear and not be known and not have a platform to be obedient to God. But the thing about that is, is that everyone started attacking you or people. And when I say attack, I mean, lovingly trying to help get you on the right path. So you have people that you respect and love telling you, uh, this is not the right way. How did that affect you? 
Yeah. I mean, we also had people very unlovingly <laughs> tell us to not do it as well. I mean, we were getting anywhere from two to 3,000 um, comments and emails a day calling us cult leaders, um, all, all these crazy things, ripping apart my kids, like really crazy stuff. Um, and the thing is, I would say um, our family has a family motto. And that that motto is that obedience is success. Um, and I'll just say that again. And I, I think the biggest thing that we need to recognize with revival, with reformation, with this third great awakening that I believe that we're in right now, um, we're in the very beginning of it, but we are truly in it. Um, I mean, we just baptized a hundred people this last weekend. Um, this is un ordinary, like extra supernatural fruit that we're seeing and people are seeing all across the nations. And so um, the thing is, is that we can't allow the crowds, we can't allow people, we can't allow even all the voices around us make the determination of what we're supposed to do. Um, I think we need to learn how to prioritize the secret place hearing God's voice, knowing what he sounds like, what he's called us to do. And then ultimately, whether there's five people at an event or 50,000 people, um, we just do whatever it is the Lord asked me to do. And I think for all of us, we're all getting that invitation. I mean, I tell people like, if the Lord tells you to pray for someone in the grocery store, um, you can't quench the spirit there because if you quench the spirit in that little moment and then you want him to pour out his glory when you have a big meeting, that's not how it works. Um, we need to be living vessels that say to God, listen, God, whatever it is that you want to do, I'm here and I will say yes to you no matter what it is. And that's what creates the foundation for revival. Come on. That's so good. So at, at, even before, you know, the thousands of emails and stuff, when you first moved, you know, when you first made that move, Hey, we're going to go and we're going to leave and we're going to start something. And you had the friends and the loved ones kind of say, I don't know about this. What was that process like for you for, you know, of, of the ones that loved you and were trying to help, you know, the, the way they thought the Lord was speaking? Yeah. I mean, our family had a really hard time with it. My mom in particular, because when we moved to California, I actually was pregnant with our first child and all of our friends and family were in New York. And uh, my husband and I had just been promoted at the church. I was running a social media agency. We were finally like financially in a great place in New York City, which is like almost impossible <laughs> as a minister. And we were seeing so many people saved in New York and um, it was like as if God had answered every prayer we could ask for in New York. And so yet every time we prayed, every time we opened up scripture, um, the Lord was calling us to start churches and houses, um, which at that time no one was doing. Um, this is before Francis Chan was even doing the We Are Church stuff. Like no one was doing house churches. My husband was trained at Hillsong. So all of our training was like big Sunday and we knew how to do that well. And um, our, our family didn't understand, but we had talked to a few trusted prophets. And I think that's where it's even just discerning what voices to listen to in what seasons is really important. And not everyone that calls themselves a prophet is one, which is why I think we need so much discernment in this hour. and. 
honestly, just we took tons of time to pray and fast. And then we spoke to um, our pastors in New York and we submitted it to them. And we weren't prideful. We weren't like, this is what we're going to do. But we submitted it to them and they both agreed. They were like, this is the Lord. And we feel like we're supposed to send you to go do this. Come on. That's so good. So you're out there and and you've had all this happen. And now what's happening with the ministry? You're traveling around, you're doing revival. What's what's going on with those revivals? Yeah. So um we did we went up to Santa Cruz after the beach revivals. Um, we connected with Chris up there and Jesse West. And um we saw so many deliverances and healings over Hall Halloween weekend, actually, in Santa Cruz, which was just wild. And then we did a tent revival in December, again, in Orange County. So, so many people saved, healed, delivered. And then the Lord just told us to pause for a little bit. And so we just took a few months to just pray. And again, that's where we don't let the crowds dictate what you do. So everyone is telling us, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I don't know a lot of people that could stop when they have thousands of people showing up to their events. Um, but sometimes I think we don't realize that the spirit is like a wave and there's an ebb and flow to how God really truly moves. And so um, I'm someone that sees visions pretty regularly. And so I actually can't do something unless the Lord shows it to me first. And God was telling us to pause. And so we ended up pausing. I ended up writing a book. Um, and then essentially through about a thousand prophetic words, it's a kind of a long story, but the Lord told us he was redigging the wells of revival across the nation. And so actually just this last weekend, we started a saturate global wells tour and we're going to all of the major sites where there has been major outpourings of God's spirit. And we're preaching the gospel. And the Lord told my husband that the baptisms was the water that would prime the pumps of the well. And when you have a dried up well, you actually have to pour water on it to get the water pumping again. And so as we baptize people, we're just seeing God's glory just pour out. Um, so let me, let me ask you that about yeah. the baptisms right there. Uh, we haven't talked about this. We only jumped on two minutes beforehand. So I haven't talked to you about this, but I'm noticing something strange happening at my church with baptisms. And I want to see if that's happening with you, because I think that it's something that God is doing. I haven't talked about this on my broadcast, but we've been baptizing people the last couple of weeks, just every week, baptism, baptism, baptism. And as they get in the baptism water, it's not that nice, fluffy baptism like it used to be. People are getting rocked by the power of Holy Spirit. Spirit. The fire of God is coming on them. I had two people on Sunday baptize themselves. I, I had to say something as they threw themselves backwards in the water because they were so overcome with the spirit of God. And, and some of them took five minutes to be able to function, to get out of the tank. Like there's just this outpouring that's happening in baptisms. Are you seeing stuff like that happen when you're baptizing? Yeah. I mean, I would say that's like probably my like MO a little bit is okay. so um in 2015 I did Reinhard Bonke's evangelism school and I was like oh awesome like I'm an evangelist I'm gonna reach the lost and the Lord actually in private said to me Jesse you're not an evangelist you're a baptizer wow and I was like okay like you never really hear that in like a spiritual gifts <laughs> 
assessment or test. And then after that, I started getting, I probably have gotten over like 300 prophetic words about um, being a baptizer and this John the Baptist voice crying out in the wilderness word. And um, I, I feel like we kind of moved our whole ministry to be focused around baptisms because the Lord told us that there's fire in the water and Come that on. outpouring of the Holy Spirit really is in the water. And so um, we have, that's why our whole ministry is actually called Saturate because um, it's just an emphasis on going all in, consecrating yourself, dying in the water. And I believe that there's deliverance in the water. There's healing in the water. Um, it's basically saying like, I lay down my life. I'm going all in. It's beyond that salvation baptism. This is a baptism of the remnant. And we, in 2016, we did baptisms in a pickup truck and spontaneously 75 people decided to be baptized in the back of a pickup truck. And we've just seen every single place we go. And I think that this is what the Lord is doing. It's that baptism of water and fire. And I believe that as people just say yes and agree with God in this, um, we've been getting a bunch of words that basically what we did on the beach was just a prophetic sign to the nation of this is the opportunity we have that if anyone right now just starts baptizing people, they will see God's glory come out. And um, I think we're going to see God saturate the whole nation. Come on. That's so good. So how, how does the, the average person then you're saying that if everyone just starts baptizing, you don't got to be a pastor to do baptism. You don't what you got to, you don't have to be a senior pastor, start baptizing people. You know, I, I used to think that. And then when I saw that vision in 2016, um, in the vision, there is thousands of people being baptized and there was such a great harvest that people were turning around to baptize the person behind them. And in my ministry training, I actually thought like, God, is this okay? Like, is that allowed? And the Lord said to me that this next revival will be sustained by the equipping of the saints. And so Actually, this summer, we intentionally, I didn't actually baptize anyone this summer. Um, I just invited other people to baptize people. So we actually had eight-year-olds baptizing their parents and people wow. recognizing that like, okay, I can baptize people because I am a saint. And I think that when we realize that we're the ministers of reconciliation, um, we're the ones that God chooses. We're the royal priesthood. Um, we have that authority. I mean, we are, I, we probably get a few thousand pictures a week of people baptizing people in bathtubs, in water fountains, in um, people baptizing themselves in their bathtub. And it's, it's a movement, I think, just across the nation of whenever, wherever. <laughs> That's so amazing. So if somebody's out there and they say, well, what would I do to baptize? Like what, what's your, your, um, spiel to them to say, Hey, you know, you're, you're sharing your faith. They're ready for baptism. This idea of like scheduling baptism, you know, every six months at church or the yearly, yearly baptism. I think that model is so broken and, and has to be done away with in this season. We've just been keeping our baptismal full every Sunday. So, so good. yeah. What do, what do we do? What does the average person do? They don't know what they're doing. What's your encouragement? 
Yeah. I mean, I would say first and foremost, go and find places that are on fire where people are seeing God's glory pour out. Um, like visit your church or visit one of our saturated events, like pick up the fire, watch it. Um, like we always say, if you want to see and do what Jesus did, go see and do what Jesus did. And so like we see throughout the New Testament, spontaneous baptisms are out throughout Acts. And so sometimes as a church, we neglect the really basic things that are in scripture. And sometimes you have to catch it first. And so we always tell people like, come to our event and we'll show you how to do it. We'll show you how to baptize people in the Holy Spirit, how to baptize them in water. Um, but it's really a demonstration of that power. And then people are like, wow, I can do this. And sometimes I think this is what discipleship is, is someone showing you you know, that's how the people in Jewish culture learned. It was someone showed them how to do something and then they went and did it themselves. Yeah, that's so good. So we're, we're seeing thousands of people baptized. We're making disciples everywhere. You're going, you're, are you, are you training people to go out and share their faith like Walmart and, and just anywhere they go is, do you, are you, are you strategically doing that? Because I think what the church has been missing is that we've had movements like this, but for instance, I really believe that this is an outpouring, like what happened with Lonnie Frisbee right? The hippie pastor in California, where he went up and down the beaches and just saw people get saved, which turned into Calvary Chapel, which was an epic, which turned into modern Christian music, Maranatha. Yeah. There was there, it, it, such a powerful movement that happened there. And I feel like this is another movement like this, but with more wisdom, because it, you know, I know a lot of people that actually, we have people at our church that actually sat under Lonnie Frisbee during that season. And they said the biggest thing that they, they feel was missing was that all these hippies are coming into Jesus, but nobody knew what to do with them. So there wasn't enough discipling. They, did, they, they weren't ready for it, but we've seen this before. So how do we disciple people instead of just have, you know, an, an encounter one time? What are we doing? Yeah. So I think that's where we're really going to see the convergence of the fivefold giftings come together. Um, so I, I'm probably more of one of those like outlier, like radical, crazy people. Um, my husband is very much more apostolic. So he's thinking discipleship, structure, church plants. Um, out of last summer, we started nine new churches um, out of the baptisms that happened on the beach. And so actually, if people go to saturateglobal.com slash discipleship, um, so at saturateglobal.com slash discipleship, we actually have tools to train you and equip you on how to disciple people. And then at all of our saturate events on Friday and Saturday afternoons, um, we have a whole team that trains you in basic evangelism training, teaching you how to pray for healing, how to prophesy, how to share the gospel in under two minutes. And then um, we have these cards and we worked with Chris Overstreet's team to develop these discipleship cards where basically when we share the gospel, they can scan these cards and enter into discipleship with someone um, all across the nation. And so we have we've been working on all of these tools, all of these ways to sustain this revival. Um and that's what I really love too, is God's just connecting the body in such a beautiful way where 
um, where maybe we're lacking in one area. Literally, someone will call me and say, Jesse, the Holy Spirit told me to call you and I've created this technology and it will be the very thing that we needed in the last meeting. And so I think with each gathering, we're getting even better, wiser, sharper. Um, but we love training people and then we love sending people out. And then that night, baptizing those people. And we always tell people, if you share the gospel this afternoon and lead someone to the Lord, you can baptize them with us that night. And that's been really encouraging for people to baptize people themselves um, that they lead to the Lord. That's amazing. So they're going out like during the day and then bringing them to the event that night? Yeah. And then they disciple those people. Um, and basically, yeah, we started eight new discipleship groups in Philadelphia this past weekend. And 76 people signed up to be discipled this last weekend. It's amazing. And I don't think a lot of people realize this. You've seen this firsthand. A lot of people on here, they're scared because maybe they tried to talk to people about Jesus a decade ago. There was a different atmosphere. They thought they had to argue the gospel with them and prove yeah. their have this uh, deep, th you know, a lot of people don't share their gospel because they think that they need to be a biblical expert in order to argue with people. And, and I, I think you're seeing the same thing we're seeing is that we're in a different season. People, if you say, Hey, Jesus loves you. They're like, Oh, I need that. Thank you. There there's a desperation out there for hope. So I, I think that COVID, um, and the whole season we went through has got people to a place where they don't believe their God anymore. They realize that they don't have the power they thought they had and control over their life. And there is a hunger and a desperation in people to receive the more that we have to offer. You've been seeing the same thing, right? Absolutely. And that's where I, I sometimes feel like I am like this alarm clock where I'm just like you said earlier, I'm just telling people like we're in a harvest season, we're in revival, like discern the time, stop praying for revival, like go out there, share the gospel. Um, I mean, I've talked to Chris Kaldosher about this a bunch, but we would go out there to the pier preaching the gospel all the time. And you would maybe see one or two people saved. And I'm telling you, like we are in a harvest season. The fruit is on the ground. You simply just have to pick it up. And people are so hungry right now for the real thing, the real gospel. And so just preaching about the death and resurrection of Jesus. I mean, most Christians have not even heard that nowadays. And so we, we've talked to people that have been in church their whole life and they didn't know that Jesus died for their sins and rose again. It's just like insane. And so go out there and just ask the Holy Spirit to highlight people to you. Um, lift up your eyes, pay attention to what's going on. But I would just say, instead of praying for revival, ask God how he wants to use you today in this revival. That's so good. Instead of praying for revival, go be revival. Like let God do something through you. Too many yes. people are, are, are bench warmers. They're sitting on the sidelines. They're not activated. And I think this, I think this harvest that's coming is going to require all the laborers to be active. It's not just Absolutely. the head of the church, right? We, we've done that too long where the shepherd has had to pull all the fivefold. He's had to be the prophet and the evangelist and, and uh, the teacher. And he's had to do all of the things and that has not boded well for the church. And so God is starting to bring alive the rest of those. So you guys can share your faith. Like what Jesse is 
saying. You can go out there. It's not that tough. Just tell someone Jesus loves them and then ask them when most people uh, nowadays will actually answer and say they love Jesus too, but they've never accepted him. And so you can make that right. step and, and, and see people. My son is 16 years old guys and has led 20 people to Jesus in the last two and a half weeks. Just, wow. just walking around talking, he's 16. And so the, the harvest is ripe and we need to go after. And what Jesse has, has seen and what we're seeing in Jesse's ministry is the season, the time and the season, her ministry, what's happening right now is a marker that revival is on us. It is here. Now here's the sad thing is so many people will pray for revival. And then when revival shows up, they realize, oh, you mean I have to go in the field and harvest some stuff? Like I got, I got to. So I got to go to church on Monday. There's an event on Thursday. Well, when am I going to clean my house? Like, and, and what happens is, is most churches are so for revival and then revival shows up and they go, Oh no, 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 no. I, I, uh, I have not watched Netflix all week and I am tired. So I'm out and they tap out. And so you actually see in revival, a lot of churches, not, not maybe not to movements like what you're doing, but churches shrink. You see this, or you see attack come against it that tries to kill it. Now, have you seen any of that kind of stuff happening around you or what's it been like for you guys? Yeah, I think, um, my husband always says that revival is like a pressure cooker. And so whatever is in you, whatever is in the church it's like the heat just gets turned on and it comes to the surface. I mean, I honestly, when, when we heard that God said to us that the harvest was beginning summer 2020, I actually got nervous for the church because I've studied revival history. Um, and I'm like, oh no, that means that there's going to be a shaking in the church then because God won't pour out revival when there's so much shady stuff happening in the church. And then we see all of these people that were like, I would say, big people in the faith being exposed. And I, I even feel like there's going to be more of that happening because the thing is, is God is going to allow the shaking because he wants purity in his body. And so while he's moving in power, while he's shining his light on the nations, he's also shining his light on us. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, wait, no, God, don't touch that. Don't touch this thing that I hold precious. And all of the idols just come crashing down during revival. And I think sometimes we we hate that they're inside of our churches. That's so that's so good. Uh, guys, you remember in August when I released that word about the shaking and exposing of corrupt kingmakers that we were walking into a season when I was talking about the, uh, the hidden ones like you that were going to start showing up and God was going to start using for this revival. I said, we're not in a season where God is going to use the corrupt kingmakers anymore. And of mm. course there's wonderful generals in the faith and wonderful Kings in the faith, you know, people that have really just stewarded and built the body of Christ. So there's tons of good ones, but before previously, if, if someone didn't invite you on their platform, you didn't have a platform. Platform. If you get invited to the big event, you know, 5,000, 10,000 people, you didn't have a platform, but we're in a day and age now where you can go on a beach and just hold a service, or you can hit live on your phone and, and preach to thousands. People get to judge for themselves if you're carrying something that they want to listen to. And so the day of the corrupt kingmaker has passed and God is able to raise up these hidden ones. And I believe Jesse is a part of that. And so we're seeing exposure 
come onto the church, you know, and that's, that's been since that's last January, the Lord has been speaking that and releasing that exposure is coming on the church. So, and the, the thing about that is, is exposure came on the hidden ones too. exposure came on you, Jesse exposure came on you. But when you were exposed, what was found was good. And what was found was good fruit. And God said, okay, now that I brought her in the light, I don't see any sharp darkness hiding so I can use her for this. And some of the other ones were exposed and they said, no, your, your motivations are corrupt. And so we're seeing that shifting happening really right now. And, and I think we're still going to see it. It's going to come just like what you said. So if somebody wants to, you know, there are people on here and they're hungry to be a part of it. And I'm even seeing it in the comments on the live version right now. People are hungry to be a part of that. How did they just get going like right now? They're, they're, they're scared. They're, they haven't crossed their chicken line yet. They're still afraid. What do they do tomorrow? What do they do today? Yeah. I mean, this is going to be like the most simple, practical thing. But um, so again, I said, I, I love revival history. I usually am reading like eight to 12 books at the same time. Um, Cause I feel like there's so much that we can constantly be learning. And so I actually took a pause during a lot of this to within three months, um, write a book with every single thing that I was learning as quickly as possible. Um, and so I actually have it with me, but there's a book that I wrote called wildfires and it's like as gritty and raw and transparent as I could possibly be. I mean, literally every single warfare attack that happened to us is in here, even like disappointments that happened on the team or stuff with the churches, because everyone wants to talk about the thousands of people that get saved. But the truth is, like, if you're going to go into this, you need to realize, like, sometimes things are really hard, too. And like there's backbiting and slander and people that you trust, like, like people that you think are going to be with you or against you. And there's all of this what? stuff. <laughs> yeah, It's wild out there. And um, just like so, you said too. So in order to counter the wild that's out there, we need some wildfires. We need wildfires. And I believe that that's what the Lord's doing. And so I wrote the book wildfires just to be a really practical tool with like gritty stories um, to help anyone. And then also this summer we're going and doing this revival tour. Um, I've been telling everyone, I'm like, I do not know what is going to happen in Kentucky, but specifically Kentucky has been so highlighted to us. Um, with Kentucky, we got hundreds of acres of land and we're inviting people to come out with tents, come out camping, um, Sid Roth is coming and joining us. He just coming like to be out there on the field because he believes that this great glory that everyone's been prophesying is going to come out in Kentucky. Why Kentucky? I have no idea. I don't choose the places. We don't choose how God does things. We just pray and ask the Lord, what are you doing and how can we partner with what you're doing, God? And we just go and risk with him. And so anyone's welcome to come to that and everything's free that we do. So, um, you can just come and turn up and we believe that God's going to heal people, deliver people and see people saved. Yeah. I think he's going to help people cross their chicken line. So Kentucky, so he can fry chicken out of them there. Now you know why <laughs> now you know why. All right. So let, uh, let's talk about your book for just a second. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you the shameless plug. Okay, so how do they find your book? How do they find your um, website and follow you? 
jessiegreen.com or you can just go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble. So sorry for that shameless plug guys, but you need I this love book. It. You need this book. You need to grab it. It's it, it, it's fire. Okay. I know the title has fire in it, but it actually is fire. It, it's going to help encourage you. And if some of you guys here, this is a great resource. If some of you guys here are, you feel like God has called you to more, you feel like there's something stirring in you that you need to release. And maybe you just, you're, you're not where Jesse is. And you think that you need to have uh, more schooling, more training, more years as a senior pastor, something like that. I'm telling you right now, God is, is positioning people that have not had positions before because their hearts are pure, not because they're educated in, uh, to the PhD levels. Okay. That's not, not to say that, that uh, the PhDs are not going to get used to. I'm just telling you right now, you're only waiting on the Lord to release you. And, and what we learned from Jesse today is real simple. This, I think it's this, if you want God to give you a platform, then you better be okay with disappearing to a desert. You better be yeah, okay with withdrawing if you want to be able to see the masses. You better be okay with ministering uh, in the presence of just the enemy. If you yeah. can't deal with the enemy, you can't deal with friends. I think that's so important to emphasize too, because I think that um, right now, especially there's so many people that are doing things out of other motives and agendas. And uh, I think that we'll see God shake some of that stuff too. But the thing is, is, I'll tell you, like, so since the beach revivals, like we've gotten the biggest invites that everyone that wants to be a famous Christian could possibly want the biggest conferences, all the well-known things. And we've said no to most of them. Come on. And, uh, um, people like obviously don't know what happens in your secret life, but I think that we need to not be so obsessed with trying to make a name for ourselves but just do the work that God has called us to do. And so like we're going out to a farm field in Kentucky instead of speaking at a massive prophetic conference because the Lord's telling us, this is what I've assigned for you to do. And so if we are constantly looking for other people to elevate us or to grow our own platform, I think sometimes we'll take the bait for fame instead of the bait of obeying God and what he's wanting to do through us. And so I think if all of us are just willing to just lay down how we think God wants to use us and just ask him and yield our lives to him, we'll all see his glory come out of us in a pure way. And it won't be just mixed up with all of this weird stuff that we're seeing in Christianity. So good. And I know that's true because I know that when you went up to Santa Cruz and you went with a... Chris Kildozier and Jesse West. Um, I know that you were going through financial struggles at the time. You didn't even have the money uh, to go up there and rent the Airbnb to be up there. And you just yeah. went trusting God that money would show up if you just said yes. So I remember that. I remember seeing that and thinking, you know, that's a heart after the Lord. That's someone that's doing this for pure motives that they don't even know how they're going to pay for it. And they're still going to say yes to the Lord. And God provided, of course. But that heart right there, say yes before you know how it's going to be accomplished. Those are the okay. hidden ones that God's uncovering. And so I'm so grateful for this conversations that we had today. Uh, I'm going to link everything for you guys to follow. If you guys are not already following DNA of a Dangerous Church on the Charisma Podcast Network, make sure to do that. Sign up for our email list at uh, ffc.church slash dangerous. So our church website, FFC, Freedom Fellowship Church 
ffc.church slash dangerous. You can sign up to watch more of these and we'll link everything uh, with Jesse so that you guys can follow her, grab her book and be a part of these amazing national uh, revivals that are happening. Jesse, I appreciate you being here. It's been an honor and a privilege and hang on just a second. Thank you. Thank you for listening to DNA of a Dangerous Church. Be sure to subscribe to the show on charismapodcastnetwork.com or iTunes, Spotify, Google, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Follow Pastor Ren Shuffman on social media and join our mailing list for exclusive bonus training content at www.ffc.church/dangerous. <laughs>